Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. What do you think about Bailey going in and being a backup? I think, you know, do you think he's going to want to compete? I feel like that's only natural for most guys. But what's what what's the how do you think that dynamic will go? I think it's a perfect scenario for him. Again, I talked about how great the organization is and the process for them of how they develop players. I think it's perfect for Bailey. Um, I think there is no question that you're getting a great competitor and that he is definitely every single day is trying to go take another man's job, no matter who that guy is in front of him. Um, I think it's awesome that he has an opportunity to say, okay, here's a, an established starter in Mac Jones, who's a very, very good player that I admire as well. I think he's going to play for a long time and be very successful. But uh, I think you got two great men at the helm that can make each other better every single day and, and compete every single day. And competition brings out the best in everybody. And I think they'll be great for each other. And it'll be great for Bailey to not have that pressure right out of gate to say okay we're hoping you can be a starter and and so there is no pressure there he just has got to go perform Uh, but he is a great competitor and there's no question in my mind from day one he's he's going to push whoever that guy is in front of him uh, and, and he'll make that guy better as well that was the voice of tyson helton head coach of western kentucky and the former head coach of patriots fourth round pick bailey zappi quarterback uh, that sound comes from Henry's exclusive interview with Helton for the Patriots Wire. Uh, Henry, it sounds like Zappi is not just the next Jared Stidham for the Patriots, right? If his coach is giving us any real insight into this kid, sounds like Zappi is coming for jobs, like specifically Mac Jones's job. It was a, it was an interesting little clip there. Yeah, I think I think that was one of my takeaways from the conversation with Helton was some people thought the Patriots drafted. Bailey Zappi because they, he projects as a career backup, right? I'm not sure it's that simple. I think he's definitely a year one backup. Bailey Zappi is six foot two. He's like 210 pounds. He kind of looks like Colt McCoy. His actually Helton compared Zappi to Drew Brees. Um, so there's there's some similarities there, though that's obviously a stretch to you know to compare up. The coach compared the prospects, right? Whenever you make these comps, it's not like Drew Brees Hall of Famer. It's like Drew Brees when he's 21 years old coming out of Purdue. So you've got those similarities. um, And you've got Bailey Zappi, the most prolific college quarterback in in a single season history. He topped a bunch of Joe Burrow's numbers from LSU. So this kid's legit and he's a fierce competitor. He did. He accomplished those statistics in just one season at that level. Like he was, he was playing for um, an unknown school. Uh, it's they were they're called. I can't even remember. I have to look it up. Actually, <laughs> literally, it's like Bishop Catholic or something like that. Um, it was like a very a very low level of competition. It sounds like a he school goes that up, Belichick would draft out of. Actually, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, for this draft class especially. And he get he transfers for his final season to Western Kentucky. And all of a sudden, oh, sorry, Houston Baptist was the name of the this school that he went to for four years. And he was pretty mediocre in terms of statistics there. He jumps to Western Kentucky for a year. He sets new records for, for passing statistics. Um, so he's like, I mean, he's not like a, a special prospect in the way that, you know, Mac Jones was or most first rounders are. But. He's competitive. He's got some good traits and he's a good player to add to that quarterback room to, you know, potentially be the backup in year one. And you never know. Like what I like about this pick is what if Matt Jones doesn't continue to progress at the rate that we that the Patriots are hoping, right? What if in year two, Matt Jones, instead of looking like year two, Matt Ryan, who was, who was really starting to catch his stride as one of the better pocket passers in the league. But if he looks like year two Baker Mayfield, right? And there's this plateau of development to the point where the Patriots need to get to the end of the four or five-year rookie deal um, that every rookie gets when they're drafted in the first round. And maybe they have to consider not sticking with Mac Jones. I know that's super far down the line, but it's something that the Patriots are probably already thinking about because quarterback is that important. And they probably feel good about Mac Jones developing, right? That you just never know. The Browns probably felt good about Baker Mayfield after year one. The Bears probably felt good about Mitchell Trubisky after year two. And these quarterbacks didn't become the players they were supposed to be. So it happens. And the Patriots are wise to take this this quarterback who's actually on the older side, he's 23, but he has upside in a strange way, like a lot of these draft picks. A lot of them are old, but a lot of them have upside. And, you know, he hasn't seen high levels of competition. And all of a sudden, you know, you bring him in an FBS school, so low, lower level, but you coach him up and he's already got accuracy. He's already got this sort of telepathic level of anticipation and who knows maybe in you know zappy's year two or three and mac jones's year three and four there's there's suddenly a little more competition than than anyone else expected and that's something i think my conversation with helton left me wondering whether that isn't more possible than people are willing to admit because like it's a little crazy to suggest there's some sort of controversy at quarterback like that's kind of insane but to suggest that it's impossible for a controversy to materialize in coming years that i think is something that's worth like considering being possible I'm, I'm all for the conspiracy. Like, I'm here for it. Like, when the pick happened, I will say this was the one that actually surprised me, right? I wasn't surprised that Belichick took a freaking guard in the first round and traded back. Like, that wasn't surprising at all. And, you know, with McDuffie on the board at 21, and we, we had talked about that exact scenario in our mock draft episode we did, Henry, and it's like, none of this is surprising at all. Whatever. I, I, I wasn't upset about it. Moving up to get this receiver that everybody had going in the third or fourth round, Tyquan Thornton, not surprising. Uh them loading up on corners later on in the draft, rounds three and four, not surprising. But them taking the quarterback in round four after they just drafted Mac Jones last season, that was a little surprising. That was the first pick where I kind of hopped off my seat and I was like, huh, Bailey Zappi, who is this kid? 
right? Because it wasn't, what was he, like the fourth quarterback taken or something? He was taken before the Howell kid from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It was really, Sam Howell. Yeah, it was really interesting that they took this kid. Uh, and my immediate reaction, Henry, was, okay, goodbye, Stidham. You know, it's the end of Jarrett Stidham. We're sick of him. He's gone. And how many, how many years can we really bring back Brian Hoyer, right? Like, my God, eventually Brian Hoyer is not going to be a Patriots backup quarterback. Like, eventually that's going to happen. Uh, so I figured he was just, you know, depth for the quarterback position, getting younger at backup quarterback. I never really, I, I never really heard of this kid until the Patriots picked him, if I'm being honest. And I just thought, I, I thought there was no way that he would push Mac Jones at all. You know, throughout this process, but there is some buzz coming from Zappy's camp, at least going into this, uh, going into the rookie OTAs and stuff. Like, this is kind of fun. Like, I think we're all going to be paying attention to this kid to see if he's really that good. You see some clips of him. You talked about the anticipation. Drew Brees is a good comp because he's a shorter quarterback, right? He has to throw those anticipatory throws, but he does look like he could put it on the, you know, on the money. He's accurate. He's got some swag to him. His coach was talking him up. So, it's going to be fun to kind of watch what's going on in training camp with these things. I don't think Mac Jones has any, you know, real competition, real threat yet. But like you said, down the road, it'll be an interesting little storyline to follow. Yeah. Yeah. And Zappi was the fifth quarterback taken. Um, but <clears throat> I, I'm with you. I like, no, I don't think Zappi's going to step into, tr- you know, training camp and be relevant because that's just how, like, Mac Jones was special in the way that he was able to um, learn and execute the Patriots playbook. Like you just don't see that from quarterbacks basically ever. We I've seen a lot of quarterbacks come into New England's camp and just be totally overwhelmed with that playbook. That's probably what's going to happen with Zabby. So give him a year, get, give him some time to cook, and we'll see what happens in 2020. Uh, three. Um, but the one thing I think that didn't surprise me about this pick is that the Patriots had four or sorry, three fourth round picks. So they have some wiggle room to, you know, make a luxury pick basically. And that's what this is. I think this, he's going to be their third quarterback behind Brian Hoyer. And yes, Jared Stidham's toast. He's gone. So you get rid of Stidham. You, um, have Brian Hoyer for one more year. He probably joins the coaching staff next year, if not this year. Like if Zappi develops quick enough, maybe the Patriots are like, you know what? Let's just like turn you into an assistant quarterbacks coach this year. Like we're going to cut you. We don't need you as a player, but we love to have you as a as a coach. Um, but yeah, let's let's say you know Hoyer makes it another year. Um, then all of a sudden you've got you know you've got this three quarterback room. And for one year, a two quarterback room for a few years. And then if Mac Jones remains, you know, the future of the franchise and Zappy doesn't actually beat him out, maybe they do the Jacoby Brissett thing or maybe they do the Jimmy Garoppolo thing where they draft these guys in, you know, a, a lower round and then they flip them for an equal pick or a higher pick. And it's almost like an investment in rent controlling the quarterback position because even backup quarterbacks can be pretty expensive, but then also um, potentially increasing the draft asset is like, you know, it's basically taking a fourth round pick, you know, limiting the amount that the quarterback position costs and then 
potentially like sort of quote unquote trading it in for a future third round draft pick, right? Let's say Zappi has like a studly preseason in three years, all of a sudden teams might come calling for him. So it's an interesting um, decision and quarterback, they quarterbacks just bring so much capital. Like they're just so important in the league that it never hurts to add another one. And that's why I like this pick. Honestly, I know some people thought it was unnecessary. Some people thought it was crazy. I like this player a lot. He fits everything that they they want to do in New England. And I like adding quarterbacks to a draft class. It just makes a lot of sense from a financial and like asset management standpoint. Yeah, the, the business side of it does make a lot of sense. The Patriots have done this throughout Belichick's tenure, right? You think back, Ryan Mallett, right? Wasn't he mid-round? They took a shot yeah, on him. That's another example. Yep. They Mallet. like to take mid-round quarterbacks, yep. develop them, and then flip them. Because, like I said, it just makes, you know, financial and in sort of like investment draft management sense as well. Yeah, Mallet, Brissett, uh, Stidham was one, another one, right? So they, they do this quite a bit. My question here is, and the reason why it was surprising is because you just took Mac Jones and he had a good rookie season and he's the man. Right, he is the man, and I think the first couple picks of this draft uh, kind of reinforce that. I think they're they the first couple picks of, of Belichick's draft, Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton. These guys were are designed to help Mac Jones, I think, right away. Uh, but like, why are you messing with Mac Jones? I think that's a question, Henry. Like, y- you see, you see the stuff on social media, which is kind of fun. There was like that video that I think Kendrick Bourne. Thank God for Kendrick Bourne because he keeps on putting out these social media videos that we can, uh, mm-hmm. we can check out in his story, right? But it was like the Patriots watching the draft and they're all they're all pissed that the Patriots traded back, right? They waited for a couple hours and the Patriots trade back with the, from 21. And they're all like, come on, Bill, you're killing us. We're, we're trying to see this pick, right? So that was kind of fun. You see that piece. Mac Jones is, is there watching. Like if you're Mac Jones and you're watching the draft, like how do you feel when they take a quarterback in the fourth round? It's just like, why are you messing with Mac Jones a little bit, right? And then you see the video and... You know, the teams do a great job with some of these videos on Twitter where it's the coach talking to the kid and the pick and you get that moment. And I saw the moment when Bailey Zappi got to talk to Bill Belichick and the reaction of him in his house with his family. It's almost like he's like, I'm the quarterback of the New England Patriots. You know, that was like the reaction. It's like, no, you're not, Zappi. You're, you're Mac Jones. This is his. It's supposed to be his team. Why are we messing with Mac in this draft? That's that's it. I wonder how Mac Jones feels about that pick. Yeah, so I don't. I think if Mac Jones is so fragile that he's like thinking that, like, if he's flummoxed at all by this selection, then he's not as mentally tough as he needs to be. I, I doubt Mac Jones is worried about that because, like we said, like this guy's not going to be relevant this year. Mac Jones has another year to solidify his standing with the with the team. So, like, as long as he continues to do what he thinks he can do, which is continue to win over this franchise. He's he should be fine. So I don't think he I, I I would highly doubt, you know, if anything, he's motivated. Right. And that's yeah. exactly what yeah. they need. They need a motivated dude, you know, and he, he doesn't lack intrinsic motivation. Like he's not a guy that needs ex- external forces to get him, you know, ready for the season. So I, I think it, I think it's kind of like a wash in that respect. Nothing seems to motivate a starting quarterback than drafting somebody. <laughs> Just drafting another quarterback in that draft, right? Like that just always tends to motivate the next guy. Usually, when there's a veteran guy there, but you know we'll see what happens with with Mac. But uh, 
an interest, some interesting stuff out of your conversation with Tyson Helton there. That again, the head coach of Western Kentucky, he coached Bailey Zappi. It was for one year, right, Henry, uh, at Western Kentucky. Uh, you know, he just talking about how, you know, he's definitely every day trying to take another man's job. Helton said of uh, Zappi, uh, and how there's no doubt in his mind that he's going to push whoever's in front of him, and that would be Mac Jones. So his coach expects him to come in and compete and not just, you know, be a clipboard holder and be Jarrett Stidham, I guess you could say. Uh, so that's interesting. But you've talked to a bunch of different head coaches, Henry. You've talked to, uh, you know, you're, you've been reaching out for the Patriots wire. You're trying to reach every head college coach of each Patriots draft pick and, and try to learn something a little bit different that you can't get out of the draft magazine, right? Like we don't really care about their hips and their wiggle or, or whatever, you know, all the draft talk. You're trying to learn some like real nuggets that you can't really get. Uh, what's been one of your favorites? Like, give me give me a Patriots draft pick uh, whose head coach you've talked to so far for Patriots Wire that's been intriguing, you know, outside of this Helton stuff. Yeah, I'll give you two. So I, everybody should check out um, Google um, Chattanooga Offensive Coordinator explains why Cole Strange is absolutely perfect for the Patriots. That was, uh, as it sounds, that was with my conversation with Chattanooga's OC, where Cole Strange came from, and um, there he, he told me a story about uh, the season before the pandemic, the football season before the pandemic, when he was having trouble. His name's Joe Pizzo. He was having trouble motivating his offensive linemen to make cut blocks. And cut blocking, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's kind of like a nasty and annoying job you're throwing your body at the ground and also at knees um and you're, you're kind of people like trying unhappy. To, yeah on the other side yeah people unhappy. <laughs> it's not a typical blocking technique you it's like blocking you stay upright right but but cup blocking you're intentionally basically trying to trip the defensive lineman and that means getting knee to the ribs that means getting stepped on that means kind of getting kicked in the head like there's a lot of crappy stuff that comes along with being a cut blocker and so Pizzo was having trouble getting that done with his offensive line so what he did was he said you know what I'm gonna I'm going to get an axe he goes to Ace Hardware he buys an axe and he's like whoever performs the most cut blocks in any given game gets to sign their name on this axe. And then at the end of the season, the guy with the most, you know, signatures gets to keep the axe. And guess who won every single game of the season? It was Cole Strange. <laughs> I'm going to go with Strange. Strange got to, yeah. Strange got to sign his name on the axe every single game because he had the most cut blocks. And he's a guard. Guards do not typically get to cut block. That's for tackles. But it kind of just goes to show that Strange is... He's just like, I, I hate to use the cliche, but he's just gritty. He's just mean. He's a bully. And uh, that's really what his tape showed. And that's what his coach kind of told me. And I thought that story exemplified it. The other thing I'll say, um, a shorter story, was I was talking to Herm Edwards out of ASU. And Herm was telling me about Jack Jones, the cornerback. You know, Jack was a fourth round pick, but. He is also a guy who he's been to three colleges. He went to USC. He got dismissed for academic reasons. He ended up at a 
community college, uh, sorry, a junior college called Moore Park College. And um, he got arrested for burglary and it was a felony at first. The court reduced it to a misdemeanor after he pled guilty. And after some time at Moore Park, he transfers to ASU with Herm Edwards. And Herm set some pretty, you know, firm stipulations for Jack Jones to stick around. They included academic, they included, you know, showing up on time, a number of like, you know, simple but important things for him to do in order to stay on the team. And Jones met all of those expectations. And what Herm kept telling me was, Jack Jones graduated from ASU. This is a guy who had academic issues at USC. And he goes to ASU after, you know, he Jack Jones said he learned from that arrest and he goes to a new school he excels on the field but it sounds like you know academically he got himself into good standing and and got a degree which a lot of kids don't do while they're uh, at college so or which a lot of well all in general i guess some colleges college students don't finish but but athletes you know that are headed for the nfl a lot of them don't finish um they just do three years and they move on so it was just, I think that showed growth uh, from a guy who, you know, he had difficulties on and off the field. And it it will be interesting to see how he handles the strictness and the rigors and the cultural challenges of being a patriot. But it sounds like, at least from what I heard from Herm Edwards, it sounds like Jack Jones is actually a great and perfect culture fit for the Patriots. A guy who's matured, a guy who knows you know, how much he has to lose, unfortunately, if he doesn't make it in the NFL. So uh, interesting to see a kind of a comeback kid like Jack Jones have some missteps. But but seemingly, as as Herm Edwards said, his arrows are going in the right direction. Right. He's a he's a kid that's trending upward. So that's that's a pretty cool story, I think, and one that that could be pretty exciting to follow in the coming years. Yeah, I like that, and and I and I like this Jack Jones. I've had a few people who actually watch film. Unlike me, Henry, I'm on like YouTube, like searching these guys, and that's my film watching. Um, I'm not watching the all twenty two and breaking that down. But I have friends that do that, and a lot of people uh, texted me and said that they love this pick for the Patriots, Jack Jones. So, uh, and he's a corner. So that you know, thank God they drafted a corner again. I would have loved for them to take a corner in the first round, but we we knew that wasn't happening. Uh, you mentioned Cole Strange being. Being a nasty man, uh, which is good, which is a good sign. Uh, you know, what do you think about the pick? You know, of Strange, Belichick moving back, getting an extra pick, Henry taking him at twenty nine. Feels like Cole Strange was the plan. He would have been the plan at twenty one. They actually go back to twenty nine, take him anyway. Uh, a lot of people are calling it a reach, but and a lot of people are are not. You know they're they're not giving Belichick credit for having a hole at guard because Belichick created that hole by trading Marcus Cannon, right? So people are giving Belichick that uh, credit. It seems like all the people that are really into the mock drafts and and really into draft prep and stuff, uh, we're all over Belichick for for reaching for Cole Strange. Uh, me personally, I I don't know why I wasn't bothered by this pick at all. I just feel like fine, like put him in there. You're not drafting a guard in the first round if he's not going to play. So he's obviously going to play. They obviously love this kid. They wanted to make sure they got him. Maybe they took him a little bit early, but they wanted to make sure. They knew they could get him in the first round, and they did. He's going to help Mac Jones stay upright. Like I was 
I, you know, all I kept saying last year is Mac Jones is on his back too much. He's getting hit too much. They got to protect Mac Jones better. Cole Strange should be able to help that, right? I would imagine he would start probably at left guard from day one. We'll see in training camp, I guess, but that would be my guess for him. Like, I don't know. Uh, you're not making the pick if he's not going to play, and he's going to play. So, like, I didn't really have a huge problem with Cole Strange. And again, I'm not surprised Belichick didn't take the corner that was sitting there, McDuffie at 21, because he never does that. Uh, and and all that. And, and I'm not surprised he didn't take an inside linebacker either, because yeah, Devin Lloyd from Houston was there, and I think we were all rooting for that, and I was too. But it, it doesn't seem like they really value the inside linebacker position in the draft this year because they didn't take one at all with any of their picks. So when you kind of look at it and the, what they did, Cole Strange taking a guard in the first round, trading back, getting extra draft capital and getting that player, it didn't really bother me as much as it seemed to bother other Patriots fans. Did it bother you, Henry? I have pretty mixed feelings about the Cole Strange pick. Um, I like that they traded back. I am not certain that Cole Strange is who they thought they were going to trade back and still get. I wonder if at 21, they potentially had a guy who might have gone in that range from 21 to 29 that they were like, hmm, you know, may, maybe we wanted Devin Lloyd or maybe they wanted Kyrie Elam or whatever. I think those guys might have been kind of their target and they were like, shoot, he just went. Um, but one thing was pretty clear. I think they probably didn't want Trent McDuffie. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't have given up that pick to the Chiefs. Yep. You, I think most teams that trade back have a pretty good sense of who is going in their slot. Um, so, I don't know. I, I am not certain that Strange was their guy all along. I am not certain that they had as good a sense of what was going to happen in the board below them than, they, than they're basically saying that they were. Like, Macro was like, I'm, Macro suggested that Cole Strange was likely to go right at the top of round two. There's definitely a lot of damage control being kind of like relayed, I think, through the Patriots camp that Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton, um, who else? Uh, Jack Jones, these guys who the Patriots are perceived to have overdrafted. The buzz is coming almost certainly from the Patriots, which is that like, but there were people on the board ready to take them. We swear, right? Yeah. Like that's the, the narrative. Game. That's yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's definitely coming from, I think, an insecure New England. And um, basically, I'm not sure it's true. And I think they certainly went out and got the exact guys they wanted. I'm just not sure they got them when they needed to. I think, I think they're, they're willing to move around the board more than anyone. Uh, so if they really felt like Cole Strange was their guy, take take someone at, at you know at twenty nine or even twenty one, but I say twenty nine. I like that they I liked that trade. Take someone at twenty nine who's who's more suited to that position, that draft position, and then if you really are afraid that Cole Strange is going to go in round two, trade up. I mean, don't. It's really hard to jump from where they were at. I think 54 all the way up to, you know, 35. And so if that's incontrovertibly true, then yeah, 29 was the right pick. Right. But I just, I have a hard time. I, I am very skeptical that that's that range up in the thirties, the high thirties was where strange was going to go. I, I really think it was probably realistically 
the highest in the 40s. And so the Patriots could have gone gotten up there and gotten them. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I'm just not I wasn't a fan of the value there. Ultimately, if Cole Strange is a pro bowler, we'll look back on this podcast and I'll seem like an idiot for quibbling. But the truth is, like, what is the actual percentage chance that Cole Strange ends up a pro bowler? I don't know. Um, and what's his future position? I don't know. Like he slots in to left guard for 2022, but is he a center in 2023? Is he a left tackle in 2023? He, his measurements are identical to Isaiah Wynn. They're basically the same height, weight, arm length um, combination. So I don't think he's going to play tackle. That's not his natural position. He, he's probably more of a center guard, but I'm just throwing stuff out there. So I don't know. I, I don't love the Cole Strange value. I like him as a prospect, but more as like a second and third round guy. And that's just the reality is like, I would say, you know, 99% of the media had him as a third, second rounder and probably, you know, 85% of the NFL had the same thing. They didn't see him as a first rounder. So sort of a weird, a weird pick and, the only thing the Patriots can do to be vindicated is to turn him into a pro bowler. And maybe they will, but they don't have, they don't have uh, Dante Scarnecchia anymore. And so it's not like a sure thing. They can't just like immediately convert these guys every year into pro bowlers. I think that they, they, the infrastructure from a coaching standpoint is, is lacking a little bit. They, they, they had uh, their replacement for Dante Scarnecchia, the longtime offensive line coach, is Cole Popovich and guess where he is? Las Vegas with Josh McDaniel. So they've got a new offensive line coach, potentially Matt Patricia. Uh, that's what I'm hearing from from folks inside New England and what a number of other people have reported. So we will see on Cole Strange whether whether the media or the Patriots kind of prove right that that was a, a hasty pick of him. And you know what? I have no issue with you calling it a hasty pick, Henry, because I know you do the work on the draft. You put in the time. You do all that work for Patriots Wire. You study this stuff. You, you know who all these players are. So that's fine. If you're telling me that this, the value's not there for this player, I agree with you. The thing that gets me with some Patriots fans that I see on Twitter is them being mad that you know this, this player was not on Mel Kuyper's best five available. <laughs> that, that's the part where, you know, like... The Jets seem to pick everybody who's on the best five available all the time. Like, like they're like, oh man, Mel Kiper had this Jermaine Johnson kid. He, he, did I get that name right, Jermaine Johnson? He he was supposed yeah. to go in the top ten. He still we should trade up and get hit this guy right. Like every player the Jets draft is in the top five best available for Mel Kiper. It's almost like they right. have the uh, the ESPN draft show on in the war room and they're and they're checking yeah, Mel Kiper's board. Yeah, like I don't want to be the Jets. Uh, so right. I'm okay with the Patriots. I know they're weird and different when they do this, but I'm okay with it. It just felt like a draft where Belichick was picking guys for a specific role. I think Cole Strange, short-term guard, maybe long-term center uh, when, when they move on from, from David Andrews. And let's talk about Tyquan Thornton, right? Really interesting that they move up for this Tyquan Thornton, who everybody called a, a reach immediately, right? And, including Kuyper which set Patriots Twitter off. And then right after the Patriots move up and get this guy, George Pickens goes to the Steelers. Then Alex, Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, he goes. And then Sky Moore goes to the Chiefs. And it's like, oh boy, <laughs> like, like here's the run on wide receivers. Here's all the receivers we were looking at for the Patriots. 
uh, possibly going after in maybe the second or third round. And they end up with this Tyquan Thornton, who wasn't really on our radar at this point. But you look at the kid, and it's like he, you know, as Macro told us over and over, he's really fast. He had the fastest 40 time, right, at the scouting car- combine, I think. And, it, and you watch. He did. Yeah, you watch some of his, uh, some of the highlights of this kid at Baylor. And he's like, he creates separation on his own because he's so fast off the line, right? His first step is so quick. He can create his own space, which is a, a big problem with Patriots receivers. We talked about that last year. He seems like he can be a weapon around the goal line. He, you had a tweet where he, you said he kind of tries to model his game around uh, DeAndre, Devontae, sorry, Devontae Adams of Green Bay. And Devontae, uh, uh, Devontae Adams is like a weapon around the goal line. At least he was when he was with Aaron Rodgers. Like, if Tyquan Thornton could be a weapon around the goal line and compliment Hunter Henry a little bit, like, that would be great. It, it seems like he fits a specific role. Um, Marcus Jones, a guy that we haven't talked about yet, the corner, he was a ridiculously good kick returner in college, right? Three punt return TDs. He had six kickoff return touchdowns in college. Six kickoff return touchdowns? Like, it seems like that's a pick that could help the special teams and maybe the corners, but specifically the special teams because, you know, Gunnar Olszewski's gone. We don't want Nikhil Harry back there returning punts. Like, we, we need somebody to return the kicks. Maybe Marcus Jones could fill that role. So it did feel like one of those drafts where Belichick's like, screw Mel Kuyper, screw your mock drafts. I have specific roles in mind for these guys, and I'm going to go get them and plug them in and do my thing. Uh, it kind of felt like one of those kind of drafts, especially with Tyquan Thornton. So, so actually, my my take on Tyquan is, is sort of like yours with Cole Strange. It's like, uh, okay, Tyquan Thornton has some some shortcomings, right? And that's namely that he's skinny. He's skinny and his agility isn't like top notch. Um, but he's six foot two. He's a 4.2840 yard dash. Crazy. The, the Patriots fans have been clamoring for speed and size ever since basically year two of Nikhil Harry's failed. New England tenure. Basically, this is like a redo of the Nikhil, the Nikhil Harry draft pick. And they're kind of like, okay, this is like DK Metcalf light, right? Like he's a he's a he's a burner. Um, obviously, DK Metcalf, you can't actually compare them because DK was like a muscle heat milk advertisement. Like he was just like this massive weightlifter body that could run track speed but they were the same draft class him and Nikhil Harry so that's kind of why I bring them up um so I like this pick like I think the Patriots are like okay you know what we see a guy who's developmental um he hasn't reached his upside yet even though he's on the older side he has the physical tools that will make him special but he's just not quite there yet and and they're going to develop him so I mean, you, you can then say, if you're a skeptical Patriots fan, which you should be, that the Patriots don't know how to develop receivers. <laughs> and that's been a problem. It's fair. Um, but but I, I, I don't think that means they should just stop trying to draft receivers. I think, if anything, it means they need to throw more darts to try and figure out how to make it work. And so for them to throw a dart here is good. Now, do I think George Pickens might have been a, a better prospect to draft here? Probably. Um, but he has some character concerns that 
you know, people aren't sure if he's mature enough to handle the rigors of the NFL. So maybe the Patriots decided to scratch him. You know, he was he was too big of a an injury problem or a potential um, challenge for the coaching staff. So maybe you cut him. But then there's, like you said, Alec Pierce or yeah, that's his name. Right. And um, yep. Yep. Sky Moore. There was a whole run of receivers right at that phase of the draft. And you can bet that we're going to spend the next four years doing pretty similar to what we did with Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin with Nikhil Harry. The guys that immediately followed that pick are direct comparisons for the Patriots selection. So it will be fascinating to see if that light frame that is what people essentially believed would prohibit him from going in the second round. He he was thought to be like a third, fourth, maybe even fifth round prospect. The Patriots take him in round two because they think he can overcome that. Um, and his footwork is really good off the line. So you, you, you could think maybe that he can beat press coverage, which is sort of what's often the foil to a two slender receiver. Um, look at Devontae Smith, right? Like, Teams were a little nervous about him potentially moving to the NFL because he was so skinny, but it worked. He's such an agile and fast player that it it worked, and he had about 800 yards last year. So the Patriots are hoping maybe not this year, but in two years, he kind of looks at something like what Devontae Smith looks like, where even though he's on the lighter side, he's still stretching defenses. He's still getting off the line without problems. Um, the other thing that I think is legit in being concerned is that he has small hands. Yep. Uh, but you look at the tape and he plucks the ball out of the air, especially this last year. It seemed like something that he was really working toward proving basically to NFL evaluators. I mean, he must have some good mentors watching out for him or it's just coincidence, but you know, maybe he knew, Hey, I've got small hands. That might be a problem, you know, get and he got ahead of it and started changing the way he caught the ball and he started to be a stronger catcher so we'll see i like the pick basically is what i'm saying i I think the film kind of denies some of this the skeptics claims and it's really what the patriots needed was a developmental receiver who's going to be on the back end of this roster for a year but should be wide receiver one in 2023 i i think that's is what i've been sitting on this podcast, you know, clamoring for, it's just that I didn't expect it to be him. And the more I learn about him, the more I think, you know what makes sense, you know, yep. uh, it, it makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I, I like him too. Um, I'm hoping that he ends up being a tall Tyreek Hill, right? He's skinny with tiny hands, but can run away from the defense and be dynamic, right? Like maybe he could be the tall Ty, uh, the tall Tyreek Hill. That's what I'm hoping for Henry. Uh, you, I think that's probably a little too optimistic, <laughs> but <laughs> well, he was drafted well ahead of Tyreek Hill. Wherever was it, Tyreek Hill like a fifth round pick? Well, yeah, but Tyreek Hill also had like all sorts of legal. Yes, problems. yeah, yeah. No, was... We don't want to compare the two. Not on the field, <laughs> but just on the field, on the field with their helmets yes. on. No, Tyreek Hill is a detestable human. Uh, but you, you mentioned George Pickens. He does he does scare me a little bit just because the, of the who picked him, like the Steelers picked him. And the Steelers are really good at picking wide receivers in that area of the draft, right? Deontay They're Johnson, Claypool. Yeah. 
they're also good. It's not like in a vacuum where the Patriots, like that's one comparison that might not be fair because the think about what they did with Antonio Brown. Like they made Antonio Brown a usable football player for how many years? Like eight. And then he like brilliant with the Steelers. He was brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like eight years later, you know, he's he's destroying teams <laughs> like he's like trying literally, to tear yes, apart the fabric of every team he comes on. So he's I mean, for three straight years, he's he's messed things up for teams for New England, for Vegas and for the Buccaneers. Um, so Mike Tomlin knows what he's doing, basically, is what I'm getting at. And so if George Pickens has like even a fraction of what Antonio had in terms of like, I don't, I mean, I don't even know if it's fair to compare these guys again, it could be apples and oranges, but basically I'm saying Mike Tomlin knows how to handle big personalities. And so, but we, and the Patriots, we don't know if they're as capable basically. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great landing spot for George Pickens. And I think he'll probably be very good there. Like you're saying. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna root for Tyquan Thornton. I'm not gonna get mad because he has small hands. And Mel Kiper had him going in the fourth round. That's kind of. I'm. I'm hoping Patriots fans give him a shot. And they got one of the fastest. You could call him the fastest prospect in the draft at wide receiver, Tyquan Thornton. And they also got like, let's not forget, they also got Devonte Parker, from you know right before the draft. So it's like, wide receiver was a huge need, and they addressed it. They addressed it, so we should be happy with that, right? They got Devontae Parker, who is a really good player. I think I keep forgetting that Devontae Parker can play. He's good. You know, he's done it. You know, he's a veteran at this point. He should be able to help them right away. Now we we add Tyquan Thornton, too, to this mix. They have a huge wide receiver room. Can't imagine Nelson Aguilar sticking around very long, huh, Henry? Like, Kendrick Bourne's not going anywhere. They're not moving up to get Tyquan Thornton to not play him and not let him make the team. They just traded for Devontae Parker. He's not going anywhere. Uh you know, Jacoby Myers isn't going anywhere. Nikhil Harry might be out, but what about Nelson Aguilar, right? Like something's got to happen. Something's got to give here. They have way too many wide receivers. So but, Aguilar got asked about that, actually. What he's, say? he's getting paid. I mean, we know very well. I talk about it all the time. I mean, he, get, he gets paid a lot of money. He said uh, he's not worried about his contract situation. Basically, he was asked, you know, might you take a pay cut? Do you expect to maybe get traded? Like, what's the deal? And he was like, I'm not worried about that. So, I mean, I don't think he'll take a pay cut. If I were him, I wouldn't. But maybe the Patriots will trade him and uh, unload his $9 million in salary to, to another team. I've been talking about that for a while. I could see it happening in September, basically, right before the season. Maybe some, some other teams have like a slot or a deep receiver or, you know, like a – yeah. I mean, he plays – so in he plays slot, but he's a field stretcher guy, so he's kind of unique. But um, basically, I think the Patriots could could try and sell him when receivers are kind of like dropping like flies at the end of camp. That will be their best bet, but they're probably going to have to be ready to roll with him in the event that nobody wants to take on his salary because they can't just cut him outright. It's a massive cap hit. It's not worth it. They They need a trade partner. All right, so uh, topics for future podcasts, Henry. Um, Pierre Strong Jr., you're about to talk to his coach, right, at North Dakota State for Patriots Wire? Yep. So we could talk about yep. Pierre Strong, who's another 
uh, kid who can just seems like he can fly. You know, so that yeah, so he's fastest another, running back at the combine. Yep, as Macro would say, he is fast, right? As he told us over and over, <laughs> he is fast. Uh, Pierre Strong. So we could talk about Pierre Strong here in a future episode. And I think another topic we didn't really get to cover yet, but it's something we could cover down the road is why Bill didn't draft an inside linebacker. Like we got, why did he let Devin Lloyd go? Um, mm-hmm. Why did he not draft any linebackers at all? Is it because he really loves Mac Wilson and Cam McGrone? Is some of the guys already on the roster going into the draft, or what's the deal? Um, so I think that's another topic we could talk about. And then I, I think another one that we've been itching to get at is like what this offseason as a whole, free agency and the draft, means for Mac Jones, how the team feels about him and his development um, going into year two. So I think those are all topics for another podcast here coming up. Yep. Yep. So stick with us. I know we've been a little light on the podcast recently, but uh, we're going to hit you, I think, with a few. And then I'm going to go. I'm already married, but I'm on, having another like, celebration. Oh, fun. Where are you going? Yeah. So I'm going to have well, we're going to have like this quote unquote wedding um, in name only in St. Louis. And then we're headed to Hawaii for a little while. Oh, then I'm actually going, believe it or not, to Paris because I'm getting my master's degree in creative writing. And we've got this residency in Paris. So your boy's about to get super Francophiled shortly. <laughs> Cultured. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. People don't know. Henry is a novelist. So uh which is super inspiring. Yeah, aspiring. But you have written a novel that you're, have, you're trying yeah. to get published. So and that is yeah, uh, so... that is uh, inspiring and impressive in itself that you actually wrote a whole novel. So I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't, I, sometimes I look at it, I read it. I don't know if it's an accomplishment or just a piece of crap, but <laughs> you got to get, uh, you got to we'll get the see. first one done and then you learn a few things, right? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It yeah, can't we'll be easy see. or anyone would do it. Right. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, get back to the draft analysis next week. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about those mid and late round picks. Yeah, or maybe we'll do a show live from Hawaii because I, I, that's on my bucket list. So we can get, we yeah. can get Henry live from Hawaii. <laughs> live, for, live from the beach. Maybe after a few beverages. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here you break down few, the, uh, uh, the six round draft picks from Bill Belichick, the three of them. It would get colorful <laughs> yeah, for sure. That would be so fun. All right, for Henry, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us. Like we said, we'll be back here uh, coming up to talk more Patriots draft. Maybe Pierre Strong next week. Uh, Henry's about to talk to his coach. We'll get into all that. We'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.